Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the KC Squared Podcast. It's, it's on, on the, the air. air. My name's Keaton. I'm Carson. And I'm also Carson. And today, January 14th, it's a Tuesday. Last night, everyone watched the big national championship game. Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, LSU Clemson, Ed Ogeron, Dabo Sweeney. It was a great matchup. We all enjoyed it. LSU obviously I'll came on top. The whole roster. <laughs> it was great. It was great. It was a great game. I will say I do kind of have a problem with it on a Monday. I mean, I get that they can't do it on Saturday and Sunday because the NFL playoffs are happening that time. Mm-hmm. Just kind of sucks that it they wait until eight o'clock. It sucks. On yeah, a it's Monday. not a prime time. It's right I went to after. Bed. I didn't go to bed until like one a.m. I got school tomorrow, man. I what? Yeah, make it early. Make it like and six. It ends, make it at like six. When it's a shootout like that, the game ends at like one o'clock. People yeah. don't have time to watch that. Yeah, how you expect some elementary school little tot? Yeah. To w- start watching the second half at like eleven forty-five, it's right. just unrealistic. So We're, the podcast didn't start. We didn't plan this, but NCAA changed it to prime time six o'clock for your national yeah. championship game. Prime time six o'clock. You heard it. You heard it here first, folks. That's how you increase viewership. Thank you very much. Regardless of the outside factors that made <laughs> the viewing experience a little <laughs> bit worse. The game itself was still pretty wild. Obviously, pretty close early on. Both teams couldn't really find their footing. But then, probably near the end of the second quarter and the rest of the way, Joe Burrow really just took over and went into yeah, his. I don't remember. Move. Clemson came back one time in the third quarter, but then they cut that short. And it was LSU for most of the second half. Yeah. I remember who said earlier when we did our predictions on our on our last podcast. They were talking about you know um, Clemson's defense is going to be able to contain Joe Burrow. That's the only way they'll win. Well, that's what they did pretty much for the first half. They yeah, were able to contain Joe Burrow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's basically the only reason they were in the game for the first half was Joe Burrow. Then he lit him well, up. And then winning the game for most of the first quarter, too. Yeah, they, yeah. they had the lead for most of the first quarter. Um, their D-line was running all over LSU's offensive line. Tons of quarterback pressure, tons of blitzes. They were really going after Joe Burrow. Um, and then second half, Joe Burrow lit up, and they ended up winning, so... Yeah, that was about it after that. Um, definitely, you could, Joe Burrow, I can't think of the last time I saw such a ready-for-the-NFL prospect as Joe Burrow. Not even a great quarterback, but he's just, like, fun to watch. Like, yeah. in a Lamar Jackson, Johnny Manziel, Tim Tebow Tim, type of yeah, way. Yeah, he's right up there. Even Cam Newton, you could maybe say, at Auburn. But, yeah, he's just obviously one of the greats, set the record for most touchdowns by a single player in one single season in college football. Only, like, six interceptions, too, right? Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, just ridiculous season from start to finish. Their national championship seemed pretty inevitable for a while now, after, especially after their beating of Oklahoma in such a big fashion. So this really wasn't a massive surprise, but it was still a fun game to watch. It was fun. Most people, like, I thought for sure it would heat up toward the end, but LSU actually managed to... Their defense put a little bit better than they did in the first half, and they shut them down. So they pulled away, and time was, just kind of ran out. Yeah, that was. I think that was the big story for LSU was the the halftime adjustments because I think Clemson Clemson won the first half. You know what I mean? They, I think they were they, losing, but they. I can see what you mean. They they were. I think they were overall the better team in the first half, and then in the second half, I don't know what LSU did, but they just got out there and Joe Burrow started lighting them up. Joe Burrow tended turned into Joe Burrow we've been watching all year. Um, their defense started playing a lot better, started shutting down the wide receivers. Um, and as the game went on, no matter what happened, even if Clemson, the times where their defense did look solid, the one thing that was always there was the deep throw, which kind of killed them as they were trying to run down the clock. And on third and long, Joe Burrow would still just toss the deep ball. They're, so uh, it was kind of rough for them to try to get back in it when they can't the, stop, get off the field. On the ground, Clemson was a lot better than LSU, I think, the whole game too, right? Yeah. They had like they had a lot more rushing yards, and I think that was where LSU got killed mainly in the first half was their rushing. And they were backed up inside their own like 10-yard mm-hmm. line so many times. Yeah, they times. just kept on getting 
they kept on getting coffin corner with those punts. Yeah, that was like one of the. It's unfortunate for a guy like Trevor Lawrence because he really didn't have like an awful game. He still put up a whole bunch of yards. Didn't make any massive mistakes. No interceptions. But it's he just. Was. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Right, but um, but besides that, I mean, he didn't he play just, terrible. Yeah, no. it's just when when the defense and the other offense you're playing against is playing at such a high level that you're being forced to start in your own 10, 20 yard line every single time, and they're really just not giving you. They're not making any mistakes that you can capitalize off of. It's really hard to play against a team like that, especially with a defense like LSU. So that really is just suffocating. Yeah, I think I think going into the game, everyone kind of expected it to be to Joe Burrow to come out on top over Trevor Lawrence. Um, and I think in terms of quarterbacks, and like I said, the first half and the second half were totally two different games. Um, first half, the quarterbacks, now their quarterback was really getting going, and that's the reason Clemson, I think, was doing so well in the first half because they were able to get the running game going better than LSU was. Um, and then eventually Joe Burrow came out on top as the better quarterback in the second half. So really kind of a battle of the quarterbacks. Yeah, I think that's really. kind of the key. Like, great quarterbacks will tear up every single team in the nation. But when the two great teams collide and the quarterbacks struggle at the beginning because they're constantly getting pressured, and which quarterback, like, responds to the pressure more? And Joe Burrow started throwing deep balls, started doing stuff. Chucking that disc. Trevor Lawrence didn't do bad. He this is his first game he's ever lost in his career. He just couldn't escape the pressure and make clutch throws down like hasn't, stretch. Hasn't lost since high school. He's like he was like twenty nine. Twenty seventeen. This game mm-hmm. yeah. since he's lost. So he's a great player. He's got to come back. So unfortunately, yeah. I don't think Clemson's gonna be here next year though. If you I'm don't being think? honest, um, they could they could be if Trevor. I mean, they have to have Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence yeah, is gonna have to be back. He's gonna have to ball out next year. Is all I'm saying. They they will lose some of their playmakers, but. The recruiting class is pretty good. Yeah. I think I think even you could maybe I mean personally I would look for Clemson next year. I mean, I don't see the ACC getting any better. I mean, Mike Norville will improve FSU but not at the level I mean, where Florida State's going to go undefeated. They're going to so. they will improve. <laughs> I don't think they can get to the level of Clemson and I don't It'll think any, I don't think anyone in the ACC can get to the level of Clemson in the, the especially next season alone. And so I think that's going to put them in a really good position think, yeah. where they'll have a good resume for the playoff. They wouldn't even have to be the best team as long as they could run the table in a exactly. Yeah, ACC. I agree with that. I think I think Clemson's the best team in the ACC without a doubt. Yeah, um, Florida, I think it could be more like a blowout in the playoff type situation. Yeah. Florida mm-hmm. played pretty well this year, but I don't think anybody's even close. Florida's in the SEC. Yeah, Florida, yeah, State, Florida, State, State, Florida State. State. Florida State. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Um, Florida State didn't play well this year. Nah. Yeah, you know, um, I think Clemson's kind of alone at the top of the ACC. There's nobody really that can challenge them. Yeah, um, kind of like Oklahoma out of the Big 12, where regardless yeah. of how good the team actually is, they've got a good enough schedule where they can kind of just run the table and then figure it out from there in the playoff. And especially next year with Trevor Lawrence kind of laying an ed- egg this year in the national championship, I would look for him to definitely have a chip on his shoulder going into next year if they were to make the playoffs again. Do we have, do we have any predictions for next year's college football national championship game? Ooh. How about let's go to the playoff because that's four. Let's teams. go. Right. Let's go playoffs. I'll put Clemson in the playoffs because I just don't think anybody can beat them, and I'll put Ohio State back in the playoffs because Justin Fields is returning. They're gonna lose a lot of playmakers. That'd be one of my like iffy year picks to make the playoffs, but I still could see them coming out of the Big Ten. I would say, for if we're going the entire playoff, I think LS or not LSU. I think Oklahoma will probably be there. I mean, Lincoln Riley obviously producing a Heisman caliber quarterback every year, and that Big 12 is still not really good enough to put that much of a fight against him. So I think Oklahoma will be there. I think Clemson obviously will be there again. I don't see anyone in the Pac-12 really making that leap. Just no one there really like inspires me that much. They always and beat then, up on each other too. Yeah, yeah, Ohio State should probably come out of the Big Ten again, barring no crazy uh, upsets. And then 
Out of the SEC, it's tough because Alabama's losing to uh, SEC, Joe yeah. Burrow's leaving LSU, sorry, the other Tiger team. <laughs> and then after that, it really just, I think it could come down to either maybe Georgia, maybe Florida, or maybe even Auburn if um, Bo Nix really improves and has a good year with them. That's, you know, I think the SEC is really the only conference that is kind of a shakeup. You know, ACC, Clemson's definitely going to get in. Big Ten, um, there's a couple more teams there, but still, you could this you could probably pick the top three yeah. that you think would come yeah. out of it. I mean, but the SEC really, I think, could yeah, go. There's anyway. a lot of turnover in the yeah. SEC this year. The SEC just good, man. It's just they, good. They've it's been good that way for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. All right, moving on now from college football to NFL football. Last week we had the NFL divisional round of the playoffs. Um, our first matchup that we're going to go over is Texans versus Chiefs. Carson, what do you think about that game? Probably the most exciting topsy-turvy game of the weekend. Topsy-turvy. Um, yeah, a little, little SAT vocab for oh, you yeah. there, topsy-turvy. But yeah, it really, <laughs> as, a, as a Titans fan, it definitely made me a bit worried because while the Chiefs did get a lot of unlucky breaks early on, which eventually led to them being down 24 nothing in midway through the second, Patrick Mahomes just looked pretty unstoppable the they rest got, of the way they after got that. One on a 51-7 run that really... Uh, was crazy <laughs> was crazy yeah so they um they put up the Texans started with 21 points and then coming out the Chiefs put up I don't remember how many points it was they put up like 30 something points just unanswered yeah Texans the Texans put up 21 right out of the gate and then basically only scored a field goal the rest of the game while the Chiefs were just putting up touchdowns and field goals left and right so um it was really it was a Patrick Mahomes game you know um, that's kind of that's kind of what he's known for. He can turn it on whenever, and then he just toasts you whenever he wants to. And that's exactly what he did. He toasted him. Yeah, it really makes you wonder where the Texans can really go from here because they've been with Bill O'Brien now for, I think, over five years. And while I, I saw a stat on Twitter, every the Texans have won the AFC South in four of the last six seasons, but they're the only team from the AFC South not to have made it to the AFC Championship in that time span. It so, feels like they've it feels like they've hit their ceiling, kind of. Yeah, as, as a team with Bill Bryan at least. With yeah, Bill Deshaun Ryan. Watson, I think, can be a top five quarterback. Obviously, and I mean DeAndre Hopkins is one of the best wide receivers in the league. JJ Watt can obviously keep the defense at least competent, well, as long as he doesn't have a torn pectoral muscle. Right. So I think it really just comes down to the coaching, and I think, I, I think he's kind of fine. Like there's nothing. Like, he's a, he's a, an okay. It's just one of those things where you look at the pieces of like the whole team, and you're this should be there. But it just has there's never. One, there's one kind of part that just feels yeah. like it's missing. You can't, really put your, can't really put your finger on it, but it just feels like they're missing something. Yeah, exactly. All right, our our next matchup. Carson's gonna like this one. Titans versus Ravens. This one was a was a nail biter all the way through. Carson, you want to talk about that one since it's your hometown team? You know, I would love to talk about that one. Going into this game, I thought the Titans would win, as I so expertly called on this last week's right, pod. Of course. And, and we however, all... I thought it would be a pretty close game, and I thought Derrick Henry would maybe break one big run near the end of the game and seal it for the Titans. Mm-hmm. I had no idea that it was going to be such a drubbing as it actually was, ended up being. More SAT vocab, drubbing. Drubbing. Beat very hard, that's what that means for all those SAT studiers out there. Thank you, Carson. But, SAT episode. yeah, <laughs> Lamar Jackson, I think I think the big the biggest thing that happened in this game that sealed the Ravens' fate was those two early touchdowns by the Titans. Getting that big, long throw from Tannehill to put it up 14-0 forced Lamar into a lot of passing situations that he's not accustomed to. He's most of the Ravens' game, if you watch them this season, they like to just grind down these teams with the option, give it to Mark Ingram, give it to Lamar Jackson. 
and like just grind down the clock, have really long drives and get touchdowns almost every time. But because Lamar had to throw the ball, and obviously a lot of the receivers looked kind of rusty. It was a rough game for the Ravens receivers. Very rough game for the Ravens. And so then, yeah, it just put them in a lot of situations that they're not accustomed to being. Yeah, they and had almost never been there in a must-win game exactly. down. Yeah, a lot of people forget. I mean, Lamar did look pretty awful in the playoffs last year. It kind of got swept under the rug this regular season, but now that narrative's kind of taking its toll again on him. But He's got a future. He just... It's, it's, it's still a second still, He's still league. young. He's still he's young, younger than you know? Joe Burrow for right. like for that reason for that matter. I mean, yeah. So it, he's I mean, still young. It's just I don't know. I think there's still a lot. The a lot pressure got to him. The pressure got to everybody. It just was a yeah. bad game. You know what they say? Score early and score often. That's exactly what the Titans did. I think and it was hard. I think it was hard. I think Lamar Jackson can perform in the playoffs, but it's hard for him to kind of dig his team out of the hole. I think that's kind of something that he lacks. He doesn't have the you know the passing. He doesn't have the passing ability and the running ability to be able to kind of carry his team out of a hole like a Tom Brady type or, or um, maybe even a Patty Mahomes. I mean, Patrick, like, that's right, basically just Mahomes. what he did. Yeah, right. you just saw two teams go down, and Patrick Mahomes brought them out of it, and Lamar Jackson didn't. So. Right. Yeah. So I think he kind of lacks that that ice in his veins. But and they can I develop it over time, but yeah, for now, yeah. it just wants it there. I think, I mean, even though the Ravens choking is definitely the bigger storyline in this game, I think you've still got to give some credit to the Tennessee Titans. Derrick Henry, well. Henry is putting up an inhuman level of play these past, in the playoffs and also stretching back into the bit of the end of the regular season. Nobody's ever really seen this type of play, especially in the playoffs from an running back. And it's really reversing the narrative that's kind of become popular in the media that you need passing to win football games and you can't win on just running. I think I think the Ravens played bad more so than the Titans played well. You know what I mean? I think that had a bigger impact on the game. Although the Titans, they had a solid game. You know, yeah, I, the, I mean, I think the defense for the Titans is really what did the Ravens in. I mean, our corners, which have really not been a super strong spot this year, they really were just, it seemed like every single pass Lamar had to throw was at least a bit contested. So, I mean, when you're putting a guy with not much playoff experience in those type of situations, the defense is usually going to pull through. Yeah, the Ravens' offense was not on their game, but the Titans, if I could speak, the Titans still did not make it easy. So they didn't let Lamar get his groove going at all. They were constantly disrupting. It just, the Titans' defense was good and the offense was good. They scored early. I mean, they handled their business, even if the Ravens' choking was the bigger storyline. All right, on to our next game. This game wasn't exactly what we expected it to be. I think we all predicted the Seahawks to win, yep. which, I mean, we did. didn't happen. Obviously, didn't the Packers happen. won. Carson, you want to talk about that game a little bit? I feel like very, I'm very frustrated with the Seahawks, <laughs> Seahawks game plan because Carol, I feel yeah. like there's a repetitive cycle going on where they go into the playoffs, they run the ball early, they have some success but not much, they go down double digits, they finally unleash Russell Wilson, and they lose by a little bit. And I think it's a narrative we've seen a lot, and I just, I don't think the Seahawks have a good game plan for playoff games. Going back to their iconic throwing it on the one-yard line, this was the opposite. They should have run it there, and they ran it too much here at the beginning of the game. They went down, they had to claw their way back. They did a better job than the Ravens, but still, they lost by five. It's sort of, it's sort of the Pete Carroll formula, if you will. <laughs> he runs a lot early in the game, the run game gets shut down, then he starts passing it, but by that time, it's too little too late. Um, and then, obviously, they had that, they had that punt late in the game where they were down one score and there was like a little over two minutes left and they punted it away which just a lot of a lot of questionable decisions from Pete Carroll he I feel like we talk about this every year 
He makes a lot of questionable decisions in the playoffs. Um, I think their regular season success kind of overshadows his coaching decisions. And then when they get to the playoffs, he's really kind of under a microscope, and everyone's like, "Hey, wait a minute, this guy isn't a great coach." Yeah. But he he gets you know he gets bailed out by his solid teams. And... Yeah, it definitely. I mean, it's a rough situation for the Seahawks because they're definitely, if not the most run heavy team in the league, they're definitely top three or top five. And so for a guy like Chris Carson, their main running back, to go down late in the season where you don't really have any time to recover. Where, I mean, when your best option as a team that's, like, going into the playoffs is to sign Marshawn Lynch, like, three years out of the last time he put up, like, 200 yards, it's not a great move. And, yeah, you guys are right. I mean, Russell Wilson, he's a great quarterback, and I think... We don't know if he could, like, really carry an offense by himself because we've never been able to see it. Like, their game plan has held him from being able to be the guy on the team because of just the run game. And I think maybe if, like, if... I don't know if firing Pete Carroll is the right option because the Seahawks are still good. Like, none of us are saying they're a bad team. It's kind of like the Texan situation with Bill O'Brien. It's just Russell Wilson is definitely probably one of the three most talented players in the NFL. And if he's not getting utilized, that's a problem. It's just one of the. Oh my God. It's just one of those things where they were handed the cards they were they were dealt with Chris Car Chris Carson going down, but they still didn't really adjust at all. They kind of did the same game plan they would have throughout the year. Where I think you do have to lean on your star players a little bit more in the playoffs, and they kind of were just happy to keep trying to run the ball even when it didn't work so well. And that being said, Marshawn Lynch, I don't think he played bad. I mean, he he didn't have he, he filled his role. He, he filled his role. Yeah, they they weren't expecting him to go out there and be Chris Carson two point um, I don't think he played, like, fantastic. He wasn't early 2010s Marshawn Lynch. Um, but he, you know, I think he was all right. I think he was all right that game. All right. And uh, our final divisional matchup, the 49ers versus the Vikings. This one was also an interesting game. Um, Carson, you want to go ahead and, and discuss this one? Yeah, so it seemed, not, not, to, not to flex, but I did kind of predict this one exactly right again. No, okay. no worries. But, um, yeah, it's... Kirk Cousins, like I said last week, and like a lot of us said last week, it's very hard to buy into the like believing that he's going to put up two good primetime games in a row. And that's kind of what we saw this week. He held it together somewhat in the first half, didn't make any massive mistakes. But then later, as the game went on, and as the Nick Bosa and the um, 49ers defense continued to just pound on him, it was just really hard for him to be able to maintain that confident he, level of play. He looked like exactly what he is, a mediocre yeah. quarterback that He's, gets bailed out by his yeah. all-star when, wide receivers. When you need everything around you to be perfect for you to succeed, that doesn't mean you're a good quarterback. And I think that's kind of what happened with Kirk Cousins this year. He's got yeah. Dalvin Cook. He's got Adam Thielen. He's got Stephon Diggs. You know, he's got the tools around him, and that's kind of the only reason that he even looks somewhat decent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's able to win one game, but not two. I think this was also another game where, like, the Titans had a running game. Another, this was another game where the running, like, really proved to be reversing the common thought. Like, they, this game was really 49ers went up, and they salted the game away very nicely with their strong running game. So if you're looking for games that roll reverse modern NFL games, we had two of them in a championship weekend. That was, I think, I think you said that on the last podcast. You were talking about how the running game is the strength of the 49ers offense, and that was what they were going to need if they wanted to win. Yeah, you can't let them get up or they just salt the game away. And that's exactly what they did to win. They got up by a few scores and they were like, all right, we're going to run the clock out. And that's, you know, the Vikings went into that game, I'm sure, expecting them to do exactly that, but they couldn't stop them from doing that, which kind of shows how dangerous the 49ers are. I I read a stat where they ran 30 of the last 36 plays of the game. So 
they salted that one out. Yeah, running game, man. All right, so we'll be back next week, or later in the week, actually, for right. some previews of our Titans, Chiefs, and uh, 49ers. Where they playing? Uh, Packers. Packers. Uh, yes, Packers, 49ers, Packers, uh, NFC Championship games. Those should be some interesting games. And we'll have some predictions. Hopefully we'll do better this week. <laughs> Stay tuned. It's All right, so week. moving on to our last topic of the day. Punishment was handed down for the cheaters. The Astros were punished the hardest. More has come up with the Red Sox. But essentially what happened was, because of using their video cameras and spying on the pitcher and, and catcher signs, and then banging on trash cans or using whistles, etc., to let the batter know what if it was an off-speed or a heater. That's how they ended up typically cheating. MLB reviewed it, came down two days ago. Basically, they were fined $5 million. They lost 2020 and 2021 first and second round draft picks. That would have helped them secure the future, even extending their kind of, mm-hmm. I want to say dynasty, but they've been really good the last couple of yeah. years. Mm-hmm. And uh, MLB suspended their manager and general manager for one year. But then immediately, Astro's owner came out and fired them, so they're gone. For those of you, those of you who may not follow baseball as much, the manager is basically like the head coach, and then obviously the general manager is the general manager. Um, so that's obviously really detrimental to their team. They lost the two kind of biggest parts of their coaching staff and a lot of their future in this year and next year's first and second round draft picks. Yeah, it's really just a great day for baseball, I think. <laughs> yeah. it's, I mean, seeing stuff like this work out and them be justly punished for their actions is always a nice thing to see. I, if for, In regards to Boston with Alex Cord now being fired as of recently, um, I'm skeptical for now because I'm very hesitant to believe that the MLB will punish a team and a franchise with such a big following like the Boston Red Sox. Right that significantly so i'll be looking to see what more steps they take after just the red sox letting out core go but besides that this is a really big thing for the astros from a baseball perspective because so much of their dynasty has been about building those young players like carlos correa up to being stars yeah and now all that the guys that built those players are now out the door and so that's a rough moment it kind of looks like from what i've seen it looked like they were going to kind of focus the punishments on alex cora more so than like the red sox as a team um, that's just from what I saw, but how Alex Cora obviously got, they mutually yeah. relieved him of his duties. Yes. It was the official term. Um, so I, I don't know if they're still going to punish him or not. They may prevent him from coaching for another team for one or two or however many years. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see where the MLB goes from there, considering he no longer coaches for the Red Sox. So for some, not- some notable things that I noticed about this is while it was a historic punishment, they were allowed to keep the championship, which some fans would get mad about. Right. Other notable things, it was a, the report detailed that it was a player-driven scheme, and there were actually no players that were punished for it because they were allowed to sign immunity if they testified. Mm-hmm. So the MLBP. no players have been punished. Yeah. I think one more thing to watch out for is Carlos Beltran was mentioned as one of the players who started it, and since the end of that season, the Mets have hired him as their manager, so it'll be interesting. He won't receive punishment because he testified, but it'll be interesting to see if the Mets are willing to stay with the manager who has been known for cheating schemes in the past, or if they want to clear their name by. I think it'll be also, I think it will also be interesting to see where um, those, those former um, Astros general manager and manager go, because I think <clears throat> there's a lot of kind of bottom feeder teams that would gladly take not having them on their team for a year to have that kind of coaching because he's a good general manager and yeah. he's a good they just bench the manager. They just, we're just in it again. They, yeah. I would say most likely, most likely the manager will 
through it again. But since yeah. general managers are kind of in business, that one's more iffy. But I could definitely see a manager. Yeah, I think I think somewhere. there's plenty of teams towards Probably the bottom of the league. Probably just as soon as his year, as soon as his year suspension is up, I could see him going somewhere. General uh, manager is a little bit harder because he's at the top right. and he manages not so much the baseball aspect. Right. He doesn't really have as much to bring to the table. Such managing like business, yeah, yeah. So he might have a little bit more trouble getting back in the game, but I think the manager can manage again. I think it'll be interesting to watch that as well as Alex Cora. Obviously, we'll be waiting to see what his decision is. Hopefully, um, we're planning on putting out another episode like this Friday or yeah, Saturday. So hopefully, maybe we'll see what happens with Alex Cora before then. Just about wraps things up. Uh, have we done our Boom mm-hmm. Boom Pow Player of the Week yet? I think we're gonna wait. Till yeah, Friday. yeah, we're gonna wait till we'll, we'll do oh, like a weekly thing. We'll do it on Friday. All right, all right, cool. Just about wraps it up. I'm yelling timber. <laughs> <laughs> That's our pitbull outro music. <laughs> all right. Uh, thank you guys for watching. Remember, stay tuned. We're coming out with another episode this Friday. Um, so uh, we'll be we'll be predicting uh, the 49ers versus Packers and Chiefs versus Titans matchup. And then maybe we'll see what happens with Alex Cora. Maybe yeah, not. Maybe, maybe. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. see that when we record it. All right. Thank you for and watching. We're off the air. It's off the air. air.